Hello and welcome to episode 70 of Prosperity by the Pine. I'm your host, Bryce Carter, certified financial planner, charter financial consultant, certified investment management analyst, and self-proclaimed millennial money expert. This is a podcast where we talk about money, investing, business, and life success, all while having a cold beer. The cold beer of the week, and a yes, I am back to cold beer, not uh, terrible water beer substitute. Uh, this week, we are drinking Aviator from Aviator Brewing Company. Uh, takeoff serum, maybe no Giga Blaster New England IPA. It is six percent alcohol and it's a New England style IPA. It's colorful thing's been in my fridge for a while, so I'm a little concerned at how old it is. Can't remember who gave it to me, but thank you and cheers. Oh wow, that is lovely. Wow, this is a bit of a grapefruit on this one, but uh, this is a this is a potent IPA. Mmm, that is that that's great. That's delicious. So much better than the water commie stuff I drank last episode. All right. So this week we're going to talk about what is an income annuity. I could spend in, in you know and do an entire ten episodes on annuities. I don't like talking about them that much. A lot of younger uh, investors listen to the podcast, and I think that's fantastic. Um, annuities tend to drift towards older clientele, um, older investors. For a variety of reasons, but I have seen lately financials out of financial advisors or self-proclaimed financial advisors proposing to younger people to contribute to annuities throughout their investing careers. And so I thought it'd be a good topic to talk about today. And, you know, not that my episodes are not beneficial to people of all ages. I think I cover a a wide spectrum of topics, but this is one that typically doesn't interest uh, my younger clients. But I think you should listen because this is really the cross section of generational investing. And what I mean by that is the way in which we invest has, has has had to change over the years. And our parents and grandparents often yearn for the types of things that the, the benefits, the advantages of things like income annuities based on their previous experiences and what their parents had. That was a mouthful, but here I go. Since the 1980s, pensions have been on a, a decline, right? So in the 19, early 1980s, if you got a job for a large profitable company, in many scenarios, even if it was for a smaller company, and almost certainly for municipalities and, and governments, you had a pension. And so I, I talked about this before with my grandpa. When he was working, he knew when he retired he was going to have a pension and Social Security. And interest rates were in the double digits, so all he needed to do really was buy some CDs, and he had his pension and Social Security to take care of him. Now, he did buy some stocks, but I digress. All he really needed to do was buy CDs because the pension and the Social Security took care of it. Today, you are very, very unlikely to have a pension, a true pension. And all a pension does, it's a paycheck for life, right? Just so like Social Security will be for many people, likely not in my generation, but like for many people, all a pension is is a paycheck for life, right? So in between pension and Social Security, a lot of times our parents, grandparents could rely on 80, 90% of their pre-retirement income before they ever touch their savings. That's amazing. That's awesome. It's beautiful. I, I don't blame people for yearning for that. But pensions have died out for a variety of reasons. One, we're living longer, okay? So we went from, you know, mid-late 60s life expectancy to late 70s. So that puts a lot of stress on pensions, poor investment results, and crashing interest rates. Pensions are often invested in, in conservative investments like bonds. And bonds went from the 80s earning 15 16 17%, CDs 11%, to now, you know, 2 3 And so it makes it harder for pensions to be funded because they can't rely on high investment returns. Plus, they have to be funded for longer because of longer expectancies. So what a 
that gets me to my next point, which is, or the point of the episode, is what is an income annuity? An income annuity, for lack of a better term, is a private pension. Instead of you getting a pension from your corporation, you save your funds and then you buy an income stream. So that's all it is. You take a lump sum and exchange it for lifetime monthly payments, lifetime quarterly payments, lifetime annual payments, whatever you should choose. It could be for a set period of time, for instance, 10 years or 20 years or whatever. But most often, a lifetime income annuity is what it is. So it's an income annuity that pays you an income stream for life. Let's say, for example, you take $100,000 and you buy an income annuity and it pays you $700 a month every month until the day that you die and or your spouse dies. So there's advantage to this and there's disadvantages. So let's talk about the advantages first. It's a steady income stream, something you can rely on. I've never met a person that went to their mailbox, their bank account, and said, hey, I got paid. I got a paycheck. Darn it. No, no, everybody, nobody's ever said that, right? And so that's what this is. It's a paycheck, right? Now, you can't outlive these funds. That's the nice part, right? Like, so you're, if it's a lifetime option, as long as the insurance company is reputable, good credit rating doesn't default, even if they do default, there's certain contingencies in place, depending on the state that you live in. As long as you are with a reputable company with all those things that I just mentioned, you're not going to live out the, the option. So if it's 700 bucks a month is the, the amount it is, 700 bucks a month for life. Um, it shifts the investment risk from you, right? So you could have a $100,000 portfolio and you could pull out $700 a month. But what happens if your investments perform poorly? So now all of a sudden it goes from 100000 to 60000 during the coronavirus ca- crash. And now you're pulling $700 a month out of a $60,000 account you might run out of money, right? So it shifts some of that risk off of you and onto somebody else, most notably the insurance company, which has the capabilities to invest differently than you or I, because a lot of times they're working within the billions or tens of billions of dollars for their investment pool instead of the, you know, hundreds of thousands or whatever your investment pool is. Some peace of mind. There's some peace of mind to that, right? Having the investment risk taken off your table. Um, your starting payout at times can be higher than uh, than what you might want to yield from your portfolio. So I've seen income annuities, depending the later that you purchase them, the more they pay out. So for example, a 90-year-old purchase a lifetime income annuity, it's going to have a very high payout because they only have to pay that out for his life, her life, their life. And at 90, I mean, we're getting, we, our better years are behind us, right? But at 65, there's a lot of life left to live, right? So it's going to be a lower payout rate. So at 65, you've heard me talk about the 4% rule. The 4% rule is assumes that you're going to take a little bit more each year. You might get to start out with an income annuity at maybe, let's say, 6%, which sounds a lot higher than 4%. And it is, except for if that's not adjusted for inflation, eventually the 4% is going to be higher than the 6%. So the starting payout at times can be attractive. It looks like it's more money on the face of it. And many have death benefit options. So most common that I see is called a cash refund. So it says, my wife and I are purchasing this income annuity for $100,000. It's going to pay us $600 a month as long as one of us is living. Okay? When we die, if we haven't received our $100,000 back, at least $100,000 in payments, our children get the difference. So let's say they live for 22 years and they get $80,000 out. That means they put in $100,000, they got eighty. dollars it's 20 they didn't get. The kids get the 20. They didn't get any interest, but they had some peace of mind. They had a steady income stream. They didn't have any investment risk. Sounds like a bad, not a bad deal. 
Here's where the disadvantages start to come in. So there's a lack of liquidity. So you're getting 600 bucks a month. Well, uh, I had a medical issue come up and this month I need 800. Too bad. You get 600 bucks a month. Lack of liquidity. You've exchanged your flexibility for steady income. Okay. Um, Inflation adjustments are expensive. So you can buy these products with an inflation adjustment. Beer break. I'm going to inflate this beer into my mouth. Allie thinks my jokes are hilarious. Uh, inflation adjustments are expensive. So let's say you're going to buy an inflation adjustment. It might start out now instead of getting 4% a year or 6% a year, you might have to get 4%, right? Um, so it, it, there's quite a there's quite a cost there. Inflexible, like I mentioned, you want 600, you can't get it. You want a lump sum of five, you can't get it. You want to? You don't need income this month because let's say you picked up a part uh, part time job because you were bored. Too bad the income's coming. Some of these have features to hit pause and then restart, but they're really not super advantageous. Tax code might change. Might mean that you might not want to take that income anymore from that source. You might want to take it from a different resource. These are all disadvantages, right? And then there is the chance that you might be giving up some of your legacy. So. A lot of t- there's always the risk that you're going to run out of money if you're investing, right? There's always that risk. The world could come to an end. There could be all kinds of problems. You could run out of funds. But here's the thing. In many, many scenarios, people end up passing away with excess funds. And that's partially their legacy, their kids, grandkids, or, or uh, the local veterinary uh, uh, hospital that, you know, cured your dog Kango, right? There's all these different things that your legacy might provide to that, for lack of a better term, is gone with an income annuity. I mean, there might be a little bit of a re- refund, right? But there's no chance of growing your legacy with that particular product. So should you be considering one? For young people, I'm not a huge fan of what I've seen lately is people saying, you know, you, you can buy one with a lump sum or you can contribute 500 bucks a month to one for your next 40 years. I'm not a big fan of that. Uh, I, I, so, but if you're older, maybe, maybe you should consider one. Likely not right now for a variety of reasons. One, they're often the payouts often based on interest rates. And the reason being is they're going to take your pile of money that you gave them, the insurance company is, they're going to invest it in mostly bonds. Bonds are at record low yields right now, so they can make record low interest at it on it on your sum, which means they're less likely to give you an attractive payout because they can't make any money, right? Second thing is is if you have to put a substantial amount of your asset base in it to get the income you need, you're putting yourself into a position where you're, it's inflexible, right? Medical issues, need to move, whatever it might need to come up, you just have the fixed income stream now if you have to put too much of your net worth into it. So it should be maybe a slice, right? What I like to say is that if you can take your necessary expenses, your your insurance and your um, your home costs and your groceries, and you can have those things guaranteed or come from a guaranteed income source, Social Security, pension, whatever it might be. Maybe a slice of that is 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 from an income annuity. Your your necessary expenses coming from an income guaranteed income source. Maybe that's the slice that you use this for. But to be honest, I I I, I think that this is product is oversold. Because of the commissions that it pays. I think that there's a time and place to use it. I think it's oversold though. And I think that right now in a very low interest rate environment, 
yes, you should consider it, but gosh, this really has to do with your financial plan. I just don't want to see anybody get, get duped on it without understanding all the pros and all the cons, right? So it's inflexible. It's got a lack of liquidity. Inflation adjustments are expensive. You might be compromising your legacy. Tax code might change. Um, your situation might change. So all those different things lead me to say that I think there's other options out there. Um, and, and I think it really has to do with your plan. Again, you don't, you, I don't know you personally. I'm not giving this advice here to one particular person that I know of. I'm giving this information broadly. So you should talk to your financial planner, talk to your accountant, talk to your people, and, and find out if it's right for you and your financial plan. That's going to do it for this week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe. YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Facebook, all that other stuff that you listen on. Not TikTok, maybe not yet. That's where we are. Cheers. The topics that I discuss in this podcast are meant to be general information and educational only. I'm not giving you specific advice because I don't know you personally. In order to give you specific advice, you should work with an advisor or someone that can learn your specific situation and give you advice that applies to you. If I talk about a specific security, please keep in mind I'm not recommending that security. And don't forget, investing involves risk. When you invest, there's always the possibility of losing capital, which is why you should consult with a qualified, licensed financial advisor prior to investing.